So today, I'm going to share part of my story. And when you look at the graphic uh, this morning for um, this is my story, there's a dot, dot, dot there. Because my story is still being written. My story is not finished. There are still things that the Lord is doing in my life. There are still ways that I am being made new and whole. And God's at work. But um, for quite a while, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share um, to share my story. So I'm going to share uh, a good chunk of it today. So I was born... On January 8th, 1970, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which means on Wednesday I will celebrate my 50th birthday. Woohoo! Big 5 0. Um, I thought I would be taller and wiser and whatever. Or, um, I don't remember my birth, um, but, I, but I've been told I was a real pain. <laughs> yeah, brumch. So I grew up in, in uh, North Carolina and Virginia, mostly, um, in a ministry home. Um, my mom and dad served in the ministry as pastors and as evangelists. And I gave my life to the Lord at an early age, therefore, and I, I don't remember when. Um, recollections I have are uh, of the first grade, everything behind first grade, you know, I don't have recollection of. And I think I remember things in the first grade because my mom was my teacher, my school teacher. And that was a really cool thing at Azalea Gardens Christian School in Virginia. Um, and I remember uh, lots of things about my childhood and and I remember lots of places in childhood. Um, being in a ministry home, we moved a lot. Uh third grade. Um, I remember moving to, um, let's see, let's get this right. Third grade, we moved to California. So I was in Torrance, California. Fourth grade, Redondo Beach, California. Fifth grade, back to Torrance, California. Sixth grade, Tustin, California, which is in Orange County. And the other places were in LA County. Um, sixth grade, Tustin. Seventh grade, Venita, Oklahoma. Eighth grade, El Paso, Texas. Ninth grade, Mission Viejo, California, which is in Orange County. Tenth grade, Escondido, California, which is in San Diego County. Eleventh grade, we moved to Torrance, California, where we stayed for a year and a half. That's huge. And then in December of my senior year, we moved to Garner, North Carolina. And um, my family was committed to serving the Lord in ministry. And so those moves were based on ministry. Sometimes it was to help out another church. Sometimes it was to plant a church. But the ministry is hard. The ministry is very hard. Sometimes we moved because we were evicted out of a house. Sometimes we moved because times were tough. Sometimes we moved because God opened a door. But uh, throughout all the moves, I'll tell you one thing about me that, that just got ingrained in me. I'm a homebody. You ask me what I want to do on the weekends now, uh, I don't want to go within five miles of my house. I, I mean, if we go to a restaurant, it's like, ah. I mean, like, you, you know what's, like, I, I say it all the time. I don't ever want to go to Cherry Creek. That's way too far from my home. Too much driving. It's, it's too far from my home. The furthest, you know, I've got my little radius mapped out. 
I don't remember, I don't remember being a bad kid, but I hear stories that I was horrible. Um, in 2010, my sister Amy got married and family came out and my uncle Jack, you know, he came out for the wedding and we were all given like toast to James and Amy. Like, you know, this was before the wedding. We're like, yeah, to James and Amy and how, you know, how awesome they're getting married. And my uncle Jack's like, I, and, and 2010 was the year that we planted Impact Rock Church. And Uncle Jack says, I want to give a toast to God. I can't believe that Mark is a pastor. Because when that boy was a kid, he had the devil in him. <laughs> and everyone laughed. Everyone laughed. He wanted to make sure that we knew he wasn't kidding. He's like, no, no, I'm telling you the truth, y'all. He had the devil in him. And I'm sitting there looking at Uncle Jack like, I don't remember having the devil in me. All of you parents who think your kids have the devil in them, there's hope. There's hope. Just look to Jesus. What's funny about this is I remember my relationship with the Lord, but I remember it being very immature. I mean, I was a kid, right? I remember the extent of my relationship with the Lord was trying to be good. That was the extent of it. That was the fullness of my relationship was trying to be good. Trying to have good behavior. Not, not growing in relationship, not growing in affection, not growing in love, but trying to be good. The problem with that is we're not good. Outside of Christ... The Bible says there's no goodness in us outside of Christ. You're not good. I'm not good. The extent of our relationship is just trying to be good. You're going to fail. You're going to miss the mark. You're going to sin. Sin is an archer's term. Did you know that? When we think of sin, we, we automatically think of like darkness and ugliness and like depravity or these things. Sin as used in the New Testament, it's an archer's term that means to miss the mark. You know, you're back there and, and you let go and you missed the mark. And I'll tell you right now, the biggest sin that we commit, the biggest way that we miss the mark is not running to Christ. Is not running to Jesus again and again and again and again and running to Him. So I actually remember being a pretty good teenager. And it's probably because I compared myself to others. But I, I really was. Like when it comes to the list of big sins. And you know, we all, we all had the big sins. We all had, these are the big sins. Try not to do the big sins. So try not to do, you know, drugs and drinking and sex and lying, fighting and cheating and stealing. Try not to do the big sins. Try not to be rebellious because I want to live a long life because there's a promise in the Bible, kids about honoring and respecting your parents and it's a promise for a long life. It's like, okay, I want a long life so I'm going to try not to do those, those things, those big sins. And then, as a teenager, that became my relationship with the Lord for the most part was trying not to do the big sins. And that lasted for a while. Until it didn't. It lasted until I did some of the big sins. And then I felt like a total failure. 
See, because I, I had placed my identity in being a good kid and not doing the big sins. So when I did some of the big sins, that meant I was no longer a good kid. And I was no longer a good Christian. And my identity was changed and, and I, I was no longer good. So I got to college and since my efforts of goodness weren't good enough, I had to find identity. I had to find self-worth in something else. So luckily I was pretty good at football. So I put everything into the baskets of football. And I started, everything I did was to play football, was to be good at football. That's where I found my self-worth. So I played junior college football in LA. And I remember out of high school, I had, I had schools that wanted to, to send me to a scholarship, but they were schools that weren't impressive enough, and I needed to be impressive. It was Eastern Washington and Northern Arizona, and it was smaller schools, and, and they wanted me a scholarship. But it wasn't USC, and it wasn't Arizona State, or it wasn't Penn State. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a school that was impressive, that would show that I had worth, that a big school wanted me. And so I turned down the little schools. I'm like, okay, I'll go the junior college route. And I'm the runt of my family. You know, I, I have a big brother who's who's six five six, and he was a tight end to Alabama. So I walked on at University of Alabama. And I walked on, and I was voted captain of the walks. And I got the opportunity to play for Alabama. I lived in Bear, Bear Bryant Hall with the football team and the battle team. And looking at it now, I'm proud of that now. But I'm just telling you right at that moment, I'm like, I'm not enough. I made the team, but I'm a walk-on. They're all scholarship athletes. I'm a walk-on. And there's a clear delineation. And I'm, I'm a starter. They're starters. They're, and I knew that I didn't, that I didn't measure up, that I, it wasn't enough. And I was putting my worth in temporal things. And nothing ever measured up. My best didn't measure up. My, my best, my attempt at not doing the bad things didn't measure up. My attempt at being the best football player didn't measure up. You know, once I, I got to college, I, I definitely started walking away from the Lord. There's a, there's a verse that throughout the years just kept ringing in my ears. And that was Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. I didn't, I didn't understand that because... That, that verse had no meaning in my life because everything I did was still about my efforts trying to measure up, my efforts trying to prove my worth. And so with, with just walking out life, one thing that we can take to the bank, one thing that we can count on is the devil is going to lie. 
He's going to lie. You can take it to the bank. And I, I think that he, he doesn't really change his lies if we think about it. See, because as, as a teenager, the lie was you're a failure. You're a failure. Your good's not good enough. You're a failure. In football, it was the same thing. You're a failure. You you gave it your best shot and your best isn't good enough. You're a failure. And then I start looking and start piecing back the hardships of my life. You know, place after place we'd move and then I'd leave friends behind. So, like, you know, friends you made in Venita, Oklahoma, you, you love those guys. You don't reach out to them. You're a bad friend. You're a failure. Eighth grade, El Paso, Texas, best friend you had. You, you stopped communicating with them. You're a bad friend. The enemy is a liar and he's going to lie to try and tear us down. And it doesn't stop once we give our lives to Christ. See, there came a point when I realized that everything I was doing and playing football meant to serve me. And I, I knew Jesus. I gave my life to him at a young age. I had just walked away and I had made life about me and my efforts and my worthiness and my attempt to, to be worth something. And I really started crying out, Lord. And my younger sister, she had gone straight out of high school to a Christian college in Oklahoma, Oral Roberts University. And she was praying that I would go to Oral Roberts University. And I'm like, I ain't going to Oral Roberts University. They don't have a football team. And Amy started praying. And Amy started getting girls in her dorm to start praying. Then Amy started getting people at chapel to start praying. And I had all these people ganging up against me, praying that I would be at Oral Roberts University. So finally, I made the mistake of saying... Okay, Lord, I know you don't want me at ORU. I know you But if you do, then I, I just need you to, to let me know. And that was it. I, I was, I'm like, get my sister back. Okay, I prayed. I prayed about it. And then things really started falling apart. Financial aid started falling apart. Scholarships started cut. I got in trouble with the campus police because a friend of mine did me this wonderful favor of getting me a parking pass. I'm like, oh, awesome. He got me a parking pass. He stole me a parking pass. So I got in trouble with campus police and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just a mess. And of course, at that time, I'm asking God, Lord, where are you, God? Where are you, Lord? I gave my life to you. Where are you? My family gave their life to you in ministry. I went through all these hardships as a kid because of your ministry. Where are you now? And I remember going to the beach and I'm sitting there because we're out in California this, this time. And I remember sitting at the beach and looking out. And I go, I need a sign from you. I need a sign from you. And I'm looking for a shooting star. Or I'm looking for a dolphin. I'm looking for a whale. I'm listening for a whale. I'm looking for something. I'm looking for a treasure chest to blow up. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a sign. I'm telling God, I need a sign. I need to know you're real. I need to you're there. I need to know you love me. I need a sign. And, and what I started doing, just out of frustration, I started like flinging sand in front of me. And I just started flinging sand. 
And the whole time I'm just being angry at God. And next thing you know, I've kind of dug this hole. Like a nine-inch hole in front of me. And that's one of the first times I remember hearing from the Lord. He said, just stop. And I, I stopped. And I go, stop what? He says, stop digging that hole. Stop trying to talk yourself out of me. Stop trying to, to look for something when you know the truth. Just stop. Stop. And in a moment, of probably the first moment of true vulnerability in my life, I'm like, God, I don't have any answers. I've given it my best, and my best isn't good enough. I've tried everything I knew to do, and I haven't succeeded. And I tried to be a good Christian, and then I blew it. And then I went off the deep end. And then I thought, if I did something great with my life, if I did something great, then that would show that my life had value and worth. And, and so I tried it with foot and it didn't work. And I'm like, I just, what's next? And the Lord said it again. He's like, just stop. I think that word can be for us at any given time. We try and talk ourselves out of God. And talk ourselves out of his love and his grace and his power and his faithfulness. And we look at so many other things and we let that affect us. I remember making vows. I will never fill in the blank. I will never be poor. I will never, you know, uh, have to move that much. I will never get evicted from a house. I will never... I will never be a failure. I will never... I mean, just all these things. And everything that I filled in the blank with, there was always one common denominator. I. I. Me. I. I will. Me. And I remember that's the time that the Lord started bringing that, that self-centered life in me. Because it wasn't about me. Friends, if we're making vows about what our life's going to look like and it has I in front of it, we're missing the mark. We are missing the mark. There were hardships and there were difficulties that I endured. There's hardships and there's difficulties that you endure. I'd either run to Jesus well, we can still try and do it in our own strength and in our own grace and our, our own form of righteousness that's going to always short. Our own form of goodness. Failures, as we get older, they just take a different shape. They just take a different shape and the lies of the enemy stay the same. See, my failures before was you know, blowing it on a couple of the big ones, right? A couple of the big sins. So, so then I was like, oh, I, I'm a failure. Why did I was a failure? Because the enemy's good at what he does. He's, he's good at whispering in our ear, you're a failure. You're no good. 
You blew it. No value. You have no worth. You're a bum. Whatever it is. But what about when we get older? What about when we get older and we get wiser and we grab a hold of the truth and we're like, I've been walking with the Lord and I'm older and I'm wiser. The enemy is still a coward and he's still a chump and he still tries to use lies and they just change. How about this? Um, you don't make enough money, so Mark, you're a failure at providing for your family. Anybody feel that? Mark, if you were a better leader, this church would be bigger. Mark, if you were a better pastor, this church wouldn't scratch every month to pay the bills. Mark, you're a failure. I'm telling you, the lies still come. The lies still come. And that's what he attacks me with. What does he attack you with? You, you know, anybody ever have the, I wish I had a time machine syndrome? I wish I had a time machine. If I had a time machine, I'd go back and I'd do this different. And, and we all have regrets. And I'm telling you right now, we have got to run to Jesus with regrets. Because there's not a thing we can do about the past except give it to Jesus. You can't change the past. I can't change the past. There's regrets I have. There, there's times that I was harsh with my kids when I was younger. And if I had a time machine, I'd go back and not be harsh at that moment. If I'm totally honest, if I had a time machine, I'd probably do a fair amount of gambling and bet on teams that I know were going to win the Super I mean, I don't know. The whole, you know, Back to the Future Part 2, you know. Regret. Do we run to Jesus with our regrets? What are the lies he attacks you with? I'm telling you right now, and, and, and I believe this right here at this moment, but I had to wrestle with this. If this is the last church service Impact Rock ever has, if this is the last time we ever gather here together, I tell you this, we were a success. We were not a failure. And as a pastor, I was not a failure. I did everything God's asked me to do. Churches close their door every day. Every day. I'm telling you right now what consumes my heart. I want to do what Jesus tells me to do. I know that that's how he hears love. John 14, 15 and John 15, 14. He says, you are my friends if you follow my commandments. Then he says, if you do what I say, you're my friend. That's what consumes me. I want to be a friend of God. I want to do what he says. I want to be obedient to him. I want to follow him. I want to trust him. I'm telling you right now, as we're starting this new year, we have got to run to the Lord with regret because regret will kill you if you don't. It will consume your heart. If only I'd have done this. If only I'd have done that. If only I hadn't done that. Stop. Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Lord, my life is in your hands. You, There's a dot, dot, dot in my life right now. You're still writing it. Did you fail? Yeah. Is God the redeemer of our failure? Yes. For all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption. God can redeem all the things that we'll let Him redeem. And the things we won't let Him redeem, He can't redeem. Not if we won't let Him. Not if we won't give it to Him. Not if we won't name them and say, Lord, I give you this. I tell you what, last year, last year I had a, I had a, man, I got weighed. Last year, you know, I had someone just lay it all out there for me. You're not a good dad. You're not a good man. You're not a good pastor. If you're a good dad, your kids would be better behaved. If you were a good man, I don't know what the justification was. I wasn't a good man. If you were, if you, if you were a better pastor, the church would be bigger. And with that mic drop, left the church, and I, I was mad, and I wasn't, I was mad. and I'm like, that, those are all lies, and I immediately recognized they're all lies. But you know what? I let them in my heart. I let those lies in my heart, and I started believing them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I thought I was a good dad, but apparently I'm not a good dad. So let me let me share something that Dave Powers shared with me. He's like, so Mark, does that because I'll share with Dave. And Mark's like, Dave was like, Mark, um, so the, the, the status of being a good father is that your children obey you? I'm like, that's what was thrown against me. He's like, well, that makes God a bad father. That makes God a horrible father because Adam and Eve immediately debate him. And then we've all followed suit ever since. None of his children obey him. And they all act bad. So he's like, if, if what you're saying is true, then your standard of being a good father, then, then God is not a good father. And we know that's, that's a lie. God is a good father. He's a good father because even in the midst of our mistakes, he still has love and grace and availability and he's there for us. He's like, do you love your kids? Yes. Are you there for your kids? Yes. Are you available at any time your kids need you? Yes. He's like, you're a good father. Well, what will the enemy... He'll use any lie he can to try and sink us. We have got to learn to recognize and rebuke the lies and then run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. And friends, if we, if we will make the time to do so, it's as easy as, Lord, I'm being bombarded with lies. Who do you say I am? Lord, would you talk to me about how do you see me as a pastor leading your church? Lord, how do you see me as a mother? Lord, how do you see me as a grandmother? Lord, how do you see me as a worker? Lord, how do you see me as a neighbor, as a friend? My life had become about proving my own worth. And I try, I did my best. And I had some really cool successes. I am proud about that I walked on at the University of Alabama and I made the team. I'm proud of that. But that doesn't define me. That doesn't make me... It makes me a little unique in something, but it doesn't make me good. And it doesn't make me great. I am proud about the fact that I'm a good husband. But what if 
What if I had a season where I wasn't a good husband? Does that then rob me of my worth because of a season where I missed the mark? Would that have robbed me of, of being able to say I'm good? You are greatly loved by God. That's the defining trait of your life. You're loved. Really think about it. You're loved. You're loved so much. That's what defines you. God loves you. His motivation in everything he does for us is he loves you. There's times we walk out challenging things because he knows it'll, he'll use it. He's like, okay, okay, this is going to be hard for them. I'm going to be there. They're going to see I'm there. They're going to develop character. They're going to develop endurance. I'm going to use that. They're going to touch people's lives. I'm going to use it. I'm not going to waste anything. But above all, I'm, I'm going to be there with them because I love them. I, I wish I could say, I wish I could say that standing here before you right now, that I am this pinnacle of spiritual maturity and, and, and confidence in Christ. I wish I could say that, that I don't, that I don't ever believe the lies of the enemy, but that's, that's not true. That's not true. There's times I, I'm like, Lord, and there's times I believe the lies. But this I'll say I'm getting better and better at. Running to him. And saying, Lord, I know this a lie, and for some reason there's it has power over me right now. I I'm 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 not really believing it, but I'm kind of believing it, and now my heart just feels sunk. I'm getting better about running to the Lord and saying, Lord, would you just speak over me? Would you remind me who I am in you? Who I am in you. I'm telling you guys right now, we might have to take inventory of our souls and say, what are the things that we listed and said, I have value because of this, 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 and this. And look at them and honestly go, no, I have value because I am loved by the King. I'm, the, I'm a child of God. Since, since I've been out of college, my, what, how much money I've made has greatly fluctuated. It doesn't define who I am. Since I've, I've been walking with the Lord, I've had moments of strength and weakness and, and, and failure and victory. And, and it, you know, none of it determined my worth. Your story's being written. And I'm telling you right now, the, the thing that I can urge you most to do is run to the arms of a loving God who says, you have no idea what's after that dot, dot, dot. You have no idea what I've written. You have no idea what lays ahead of you. I wish you could see what lies ahead of you. I wish you could see what's next. I wish I see you laughing. I see you resting. I see you whole. Just keep running to me. Just keep trusting in me. My, my plea this morning is to believe that you are loved. To believe that you are loved. And to believe that that is the defining trait of who you are. 
And ask, ask, ask the Holy Spirit to unpack the truths, the specific little cool truths of what that looks like. Can we stand to our feet? I just want us to worship the Lord. Before, before we jump into that song, though, I, I do want to do this. And, and I definitely, especially for people that are watching this on Facebook Live and, and even for all of us here, if you need to run to Jesus this morning, then run to Jesus. There's this awesome opportunity to run to Him with our hearts. And, and you don't have to go anywhere. You can just right there where you are, just give it to Him. And if there's anyone hearing me right now who has never trusted their life in Jesus, you can do so right now. You can say, Lord, I've given it my best effort and my best effort is not enough. I can either let that sink me or I can run to you and let you define me and your love change me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not about any religious act. It's about a genuine, authentic cry based in belief that we believe that Jesus is the healer and the Savior. So if there's anybody that's never done that, I just encourage you right there where you are, right now, cry out to the Lord, say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you and I don't know how to do this. Change me, save me, heal me. I give my life to you.